Hello, and welcome to Living a Culture of Life podcast by Human Life International. I'm your host, Colleen Haupt, and I'm joined today by Kurt Kondrick. Thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Colleen. Thanks for having me, and thanks for the awesome work you all do there. We really appreciate it. Well, thank you. And we're going to be talking about Down syndrome today because Kurt's daughter, Chloe, has Down syndrome, and he's been an advocate for people with Down syndrome for years. So let's just jump right into that. Kurt, will you share your story with our audience? Sure. Um, my daughter, Chloe, was born May 16, 2003. Um, when my wife, Margie, was pregnant with Chloe, she was 40 at the time. I was actually a city police officer here in Pittsburgh. And during the pregnancy, we were pressured to have prenatal testing. We Every appointment, they kept asking us, do we want prenatal testing and this and that, which we, we declined. And they told us we were high risk to have a child with Down syndrome. Now, as your listeners will know, the word risk doesn't connotate something good. It just connotates you know, something bad could happen. You don't want people taking a risk. So um, we, we declined the testing and they just kept asking us every appointment. I finally, I asked the person, one of the medical people, I said, well, why are you, you know, let's say we take these prenatal tests and it comes back for Down syndrome. I said, what do we do then? He said, well, you know, you can make a decision then. And I'm like, well, what, what kind of decision? And they're like, well, you know, whether, you know, whether you want to keep your child or not. And that just absolutely floored me. I'll be honest with you. We knew we were having a girl, my son, Nolan, who was four at the time, who's Chloe's best friend. You know, he was so excited to have his sister coming. We already had named her Chloe. He was talking to her in the womb and, you know, she was part of our family from the moment of conception, as far as we were concerned. And, uh, to have somebody tell us that, you know, if, if my daughter doesn't pass the prenatal test and, you know, we can, identify target and terminator just and as a police officer I, I call it a prenatal death sentence with no evidence and you know no crime committed it just it floored me so we we declined the prenatal testing we did not know at the time that chloe had down syndrome and <clears throat> said chloe entered the world in um may 16 2003 and i i told a medical person that you know i'm a city police officer and if, if somebody walks in this hospital or this medical facility and is trying to hurt somebody or whatever i'm immediately going to stop them from doing that but i said you're in here telling families it's okay to in other words, execute a child because they're not wanted here by society and that and that's just another thing that really as i said bothered me deeply so Chloe entered the world May 16, 2003, and I tell people we got a postnatal uh, diagnosis of Down syndrome. After she was born, she had aspirated. The doctor took her aside, was cleaning her and clearing her, and I kept asking the doctor, says she okay? <clears throat> I said, is Chloe okay? And he said, well, he just kind of looked at me. Then he walked over with his mask on and said, your daughter has characteristics of Down syndrome in, in a real negative kind of downer way. And I said, is she all right? And he goes, yeah. yeah. And I said, can I hold her? And I, I'll never forget. He was kind of like surprised I wanted to hold her. And I said, bring her over to me. So I brought her over and I held her and she's a beautiful little girl, beautiful blue eyes. And I didn't know anything about, you know, the, the details of Down syndrome, but this was my daughter, you know, from the second I held her and, you know, we were happy to have her in this world and welcomed her and embraced. I always say we embraced only race down syndrome. And, um, we, we just be, that's when our journey began and the reception at the hospital was kind of negative and down to be honest with you was the mood and the way even nurses talked to us. And I just, you know, we started, my wife and I started reading about Down syndrome and learning things and plugging into the different services like early intervention and that. And, you know, we realized early on that Chloe was not defined by her diagnosis or her, what the world calls a disability. She was defined by her abilities. And as you well know, you know, kids, individual with Down syndrome are all different. Just because you have Down syndrome is 
you and I both wear glasses, and I'm sure we're very different on a lot of things. It, it doesn't define who you are as a person, as an individual. And as Chloe grew, you know, we focused on her abilities and watched her prosper. And you know, it is crazy. She'll be 20 this year coming up. And uh, I would I tell people she's she's planted more positive seeds and done more good for this world than most people do in a very long lifetime. Well, thank you for sharing that. What kind of blessings has Chloe brought to your life? So after after her birth, you know, and I, I it, it haunted me this these things that were told us about the prenatal testing. So I started connecting with families. Actually, your your mother was somebody I connected with, and pe- other people in the Down Center community. And um, I uh, just through the internet or through talking to them in person, and I asked them. I said, "Well, for the people that had the prenatal test, I said, what what happened after you had the prenatal test? What did they do?" And they said, "Every person I spoke to, whether, whether it was in my state of Pennsylvania or across the country or even internationally, every single person told me they were at that point pressured to abort the child." <clears throat> and that just, like I said, that, that deeply troubled me. I thought, "My, this is." I mean, it's prenatal eugenics that, you know, there, nobody was told anything good. Nobody was given positive information. Nobody was encouraged to keep the pregnancy. They were all told to, you know, to terminate the pregnancy. So I just, as I said, you know, Colleen, it just deeply bothered me. And I started thinking and praying about what I could do to, to change this. So at the time, I just, God just kept <laughs> pushing me. I, I often tell people, I say, you know, when I was younger, I had my life all planned out. I knew exactly what I was going to do, exactly where I was going to be. I was going to be a police commander and retire and be a consultant and all this stuff. And I said, but the crazy thing is from the moment of conception, God had my life planned out. <clears throat> he had it arranged just like it says in Jeremiah 1.5. He had it all planned out. And just like he had Moses' life planned out, Jonah's life, Joseph's life, Mary's life. And it wasn't what they had planned. It's what he had planned. And if we follow the plan that God has, it leads to amazing things. So I took a leap of faith. I left my profession, retired early, uh, went back to school, got my master's degree, got involved in the disability field and just became an advocate for individuals. Um, started. I got appointed to chair the Governor's Advisory Council for early intervention, some other disability panels. And I just, I started making trips to our state capitol and meeting with legislators to show them the abilities and the gift. I figured if I could put a face on the positive thing about Down syndrome, maybe the word would get out and and fewer people would want to abort these children. And uh, during that time, I just developed relationships, actually became friends with our governor, Governor Corbett at the time, and came up with the idea we needed a law that would, a, a law that would, at least give factual supported information to these families so that they weren't just told to terminate the pregnancy. And that was the genesis of um, the Down Center Prenatal Education Act, which we wrote up really on a on a legal pad and started circulating around. And the, the, the governor said, let's call this Chloe's Law. I said, OK, that sounds good. So we put a face on it and. We started that in the fall of 2013, and we got it passed, and it was God's law. We got it passed in the House and the Senate, and it was on the governor's desk that summer of 2014, about seven months later, and was signed into into law, Chloe's law. <clears throat> and God used that law, I really believe that, to... Because to, when, when that law got signed, people would come up to me and say, I never knew this was happening. I never knew this. I never... And then I'd even had educators come up and say, you know, I was wondering why we don't see any kids with Down syndrome coming into the school systems and that. And so, well, this is the reason. So the law kind of got the conversation going at a state level, a national level, and even a global level. And from that time on, honestly, Colin, we've been, Chloe and I have been asked to speak at conferences around the country, National Right to Life, North Carolina, everywhere, uh, 
we're, we're going to be up the United Nations in, in a few weeks to speak there for the third time in front of a global audience. We've spoken at colleges, churches. It's, it's all God. I say we're we're the instruments. He's the master craftsman. And it's 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 really brought to light what is happening, this silent eugenic movement. And, it, and I think it's really helped to change people's hearts and minds about people with Down syndrome and to see what a gift they are to the, to our world and what a blessing they are to families. You know, my son's will be 24. He wouldn't be the, I always think of the missing siblings. My son would not be the man he is today without his sister. There's no way she was the flower girl at his wedding. His beautiful wife, Haley, you know, a couple of years ago, he, she's made him the man he is. And I think of all the people that bought into the, the negative stuff of prenatal testing and decided to abort this child and, and what, what their siblings missed out on, what their schools missed out on, what their their parents, grandparents missed out on. They're, they're, they're a gift to the world. And, you know, I would say now more than ever with the, the chaos and the war and the, the violence and evil in the world, these, these individuals, I, I wrote an article once that Adam and Eve had Down syndrome until the devil stole the extra chromosome. They represent, no, they, they, People like my, my daughter, Chloe, they can be harmed by the world because they're vulnerable and innocent, but they can't be corrupted. You, 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 they can't be corrupted. And the devil, that drives the devil crazy. And that's why he uses this false narrative of prenatal testing to get rid of these children before they come here because he knows he can't corrupt them. He knows he can't drag them into the darkness that he's spreading. And they bring the light into this world. And that's actually what I'm going to focus on at the United Nations next week when I speak about these individuals and what a gift they are, you know, to, to the world and to, and to everybody. So do you happen to know what the statistics are right now? I know some people throw out the 90%. Some people say it's lower at 70. Do you know what percentage of people with Down syndrome? It's, it's in the seventies in the United States. It depends on what geographic area you're in, but it's in the 70 percentile, but you go over to places like Europe and, um, I know Iceland's 100%. I mean, Iceland, that's one of the reasons we spoke at the UN in 2017 was that Iceland had come out and said that they cured Down syndrome. And they said they cured it by eliminating all the kids. They have socialized medicine and they were almost almost requiring prenatal testing. And they had 100% abortion rate up there for Down syndrome. So their idea of curing is eliminating. I know Ireland recently, it was Life, Life News and LifeSite News, has a 95% abortion rate for Down syndrome. I'm actually, gonna, we're speaking at the United Nations on St. Patrick's Day, so I'm going to bring that up, just how that ties in. But a lot of the European countries are in the 90 percentile. I have friends in New Zealand, Australia. It's, it's in the 90s in a lot of developing countries. Uh, countries that have socialized medicine that so i'd say anywhere from 70 you could say 70 to 100 like if you say you throw in a place like iceland and that so it's, it's very troubling and it's 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 eugenics like i said when you identify target and eliminate an individual because they don't meet the cultural mandate for unattainable perfection that's that's eugenics that's exactly what it is and i challenge everybody and challenge your listeners to say Who's next? What if we get a prenatal test for autism next week? What about for depression? How about for baldness? How about for bad acne? How about for being short? I have a niece who has dwarfism, who's a beautiful married young lady and a highly successful professional, but there's probably people that say that she doesn't belong here because she doesn't meet the cultural mandate. So this, it's a very slippery slope. We should have learned our lessons back during you know, the Holocaust of what can happen when you start going down that slope. And that's why, you know, that we're blessed that God uses us to be his voice and to be his 
you know, a loud voice for these individuals and to defend and protect them. And I'm really just doing basically now what I did as a police officer, defending and protecting the most vulnerable members of our society. Thank you. And then what kind of, um, what are Chloe's strengths and then what challenges has she had? How has she overcome them? Like, what has that been like for you? Sure. Her, well, let's see. Strength. She's a great, she's a great dancer and she did not get that from me. She got that from my wife. She's, she loves sports. You, you know, she's, she's in a dance class. She plays baseball, loves volleyball. Um, you know, baseball's her favorite, uh, the heck of a frisbee thrower. She loves to read. She loves music. You know, she, she likes watching videos of uh, music videos and social. She loves weddings. The hardest part of a wedding is to get her off the dance floor and to get her to leave. I, I, one of our biggest tra- hard parts is transitioning her. She gets when she's doing a, an activity she really enjoys. It's it's difficult to get her to leave that. But you know, I, I think that's probably common for a lot of us. But, but I mean, her, her gift, too, is, is is unconditional love. I often tell people, I said, you know, your daughters who want to have a, a friend like Chloe, Chloe will never hurt, hurt, hurt her or post something bad on <clears throat> Facebook or start rumors or bully somebody. She, she won't do that. She, that's, that's not in her DNA. And that's the, the unconditional, genuine, pure love that she brings to our family, to her brother, to her school, to her community. That That's, that's a strength that's sorely missing in today's world and something I think we all we, we need now more than ever we really do and um, you know she's she's a child with abilities and, and as I said to you Colleen she has you know she has certain dietary things she likes you know she loves pizza loves chicken and she's not into veggies like her dad and she loves the beach and just she, she loves life she lo- she's, she's a gift so when she's a person, like we all have things right. that we like and things that we don't. And I think that is something that gets lost in the conversation sometimes is that each individual with Down syndrome is an individual. They have the music that they like. They have the singers that they like. They have all of, they're just people just like we are. And you can't put them all in one box, but at the same time, you're right. They do have that unconditional love. That is something that from my experience has been with everybody who has Down syndrome. They all have that unconditional love for people. And that lack of malice and lack of evil, as I said, you know, pick up the paper, go online and start reading the the headlines. I think I'm going to do that at the U.N. in a few weeks and just say, you know, mention that it's funny how nobody in any of these headlines for random shooters or bombers or starting wars has Down syndrome. And that's that's you know, that's that's a real gift today. I I do believe this is a moment of, you know, biblical history or world history where these individuals are really needed now more than ever to remind us because there's so much toxicity and evil and darkness spreading. And, you know, you, you're well aware of Chloe doesn't care if you live under a bridge or live in a mansion. She doesn't care your skin color. She doesn't care your uh, gross income, what kind of car you drive. If you drive a car or ride a horse, she doesn't care. She doesn't care what your dietary likes are, what your she will love you because you're a human being. Isn't it? Isn't that what God created us to be like? I mean, I, I mean, as I often wonder what I did right to be blessed with a child who has, you know, this this perspective on the world. I, I hope on Judgment Day, I can have a little bit of that. I, I I joke with some of my friends. I said she'll be in the easy pass lane, and I'll be in the toll booth. You know, she'll go right up into heaven and get into her mansion. I'll be in the toll booth, and once I make it through, I'll clean her driveway out because you know the, she doesn't. She doesn't carry that. I, and I, it's, it, I often sit back and think about that, to be given 
blessed with a human being and to be able to be an advocate for these people who do not bring evil into this world. Maybe it was my years as a police officer in the cities and seeing so much depravity and death and destruction that really has opened my eyes to, well, my goodness, what a gift. And what a, what a, what a, myself personally, what what an honor to be able to advocate and defend these individuals and and to speak up for them. You know, my favorite Bible verse is Proverbs 31, eight, which is speak up for those who can't speak for themselves. I like it so much it's tattooed on my arm, but I, I, that's what we're here for. That's why God put us here is, is to be a voice for the voiceless and defend those who need defended. And um, like I said, it's, I'm, I'm blessed. Chloe's blessed me by, by showing me why God put me on this earth. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. What um, advice would you have for parents who have, are being pressured to abort a child with Down syndrome or like, do you know of any good resources for them? What, how would you help them? There's a national, national organization, the National Down Syndrome Society. <clears throat> they have a lot of good resources on their site. National Down Syndrome Congress. Um, you know, there's uh, the Jerome Lejeune Foundation is an excellent uh, resource. As a matter of fact, they have a new president just took over. Daniel, who's excellent. I know he has a daughter with Down Syndrome and they're a very pro-life organization, you know. But also every every state, every state, I'm sorry, my daughter's laughing a little bit in the back today, but every state has early intervention programs and the supports and services that are available out there, I would encourage them to connect with those. And if there's a local Down Syndrome Association to connect with that and to connect with parents. I'm sorry, I know we put a lot of credibility and credence in medical and experts and stuff, but they're not always who we think they are. Just because you have a degree does not make you necessarily an expert on life and on faith and uh you know can connect with your with your church and connect with people you know who are of like mind as far as where you're at as, as a person and you know that will that will make that will make the difference is is those personal hold on it's a, it's a, those personal connections sorry i'm sorry it's those personal connections that enable you to you know to get that perspective from that parent you know that's i I will share this story. <clears throat> Chloe and I have met with mothers who were considering. Hold on, hold on, she's just one second, one second, sweet. Who were considering? She knows she's in good company here. Who were considering aborting their ch- children, and we've changed the mind on the ones we've met with, and it's that's that because they met with us and they looked in our face and they saw, <clears throat> they saw not just red statistics, you know, it's like you said earlier, these are individuals and we must put a face on them to change people's attitudes. And that's, it's, it's critical that they connect with that. So there are those resources, early intervention, like I said, is awesome, you know, and, and just those other types of supports that are available in your States. Um, that's what you need to do is it, is it focus on abilities, not on disability. Because I got news for you. I tell people all the time when I do speeches, I say, if I want to see somebody who's disabled and screwed up, I just look in the mirror. We all have disabilities. We all have our faults. We all have things we struggle with. Every single one of us. You know, I've, I've told legislators, if you live long enough, someone's going to change your diapers again. Because that's just the way it is. That's how life is. So how we treat individuals is is critical to who we are as, as far as the soul of our country and the soul of us as, as people. Yeah. No, that's so true that we all have our strengths and weaknesses and that they're human beings just like we are and we need to treat them like that. And then how would you suggest for our listeners, how could they bring awareness to these issues? How can they help protect people with Down syndrome? And do you have any like practical advice for them in this issue? Even if they don't have someone in their life who has Down syndrome, but 
in the community around them? Just to spread the truth, you know, speaking up, you know, we live in a, we live in a digital world calling, you know, everybody's on their phones and this and that. I mean, even parents, I tell them, take your, take your kids out, get your, take, get your, your adult individuals with Down syndrome and, and introduce them to people, take them out, meet me, find out who your local legislator is, take them to their office, introduce them, put a face on who these people are. That's what changes attitudes. It really does. And when Chloe and I are playing Frisbee at the beach, or when she's out laughing, you know, she likes to laugh and you know, we're heading out for ice cream after. When people see them out in the community and put a face on it, and that's what makes the difference. You know, get involved in advocacy. You know, I, I'll be more than happy to share my, my contact information. You can post it on your on the link there. You know, for me, I'm on Facebook, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Twitter. Connect with me. I'd be more than happy to help you and, and guide you. I, I have a lot of connections across the country and across the really across the world. But um Get involved. Be, be a voice for those who don't have a voice. You know, if, if we don't stand up for these individuals, who is going to? You know, and I think that's what I mean. I think when Chloe's law passed, it put a face on things. And now we, we I think the momentum is on our side. And, you know, just and ask questions. And, and you know, when, when I was a kid growing up, you know, I'll be 60 in a couple months. I mean, people with Down syndrome, they were in institutions. Nobody saw them. <clears throat> so they had their own perceptions of them. And now that we are, we live in a society that supposedly is inclusive, even though prenatally they're not, get out there, get involved, get involved with with the many things, the Miracle League, the Special Olympics, the things that are available, and that that will help people. I know there, there's movies being made about people with Down syndrome. Made with Love is a movie that's being made right now, as as you and I speak, and I'm I connected with their director, and I said, let me know how I can help you get the word out. It's going to be an awesome film, and that that will that will change that will change the perceptions. It really will. The way, you know, William Wilberforce, who was a, a force in overturning slavery in England, the way he changed a lot of people's attitudes, he brought slave ships into the harbor. He made people look at it. <clears throat> he made them see the face of what the, the horrific atrocities are being done, and they couldn't look at it anymore. And when I have people look at my daughter's face, which I will do, and say, I want you to tell me my daughter is any less human than you and any less equal to be here on this earth. And that's, that's what makes the difference. That's what makes, that's what changes people's attitudes. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. This has been a really interesting conversation and it's definitely one that needs to be out there. People need to recognize that there is this problem going on in society and that there's something we can do about it and just recognize that people who have down syndrome or really any other disabilities, we're all human. And that what, like you said, their abilities focus on the ability is not the disability. So but thank you for joining us today. It's an honor. And I, I, like I said, I thank you for, for the work that you all do because it's, it's priceless and you, you will be blessed by continuing to get the word out and by continuing to tell people, you know, the, the truth about our most precious, priceless national treasure. You know, what it is it's human life. And when it, we as a, as, a, as a nation and as a global community, if we don't defend and protect our most priceless treasure, then we're going to fail. And if I have a second, you know, a lot of people talk about tolerance and acceptance and that. And I said, you know, identifying, targeting and terminating a human being with, with a Down syndrome prenatal diagnosis is the ultimate extreme form of discrimination, prejudice, profiling, bigotry, intolerance, exclusion and hatred. And it's something none of us would tolerate. And the people talk a lot about those words, but this represents the ultimate extreme form of it. So it's 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 time for all of us to get involved in. I always say embrace, don't erase Down syndrome. Amen.
Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, please remember to like, follow, subscribe, um, follow us on YouTube or rumble or any of our audio platforms. Thank you so much for joining us today. Keep on living the culture of life and God bless.